0: And we're going full tilt spoilers with this. So I really like this. Love these characters, and I'm invested in these characters, and I can't wait to see more. Uprising. Hello kaiju lovers and welcome to Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your new host, Nate, winning Marchand, and the revolution will be televised because what you are about to hear is my hostile takeover of this podcast, which my co-host, Mikey Hamilton, the kaiju group, can't do anything about.
1: <laughs> and it's Kaiju Grifter, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Kaiju Grifter or Kaiju Grifty. I will accept both.
0: Grifty? Oh, that one. Okay. I haven't heard that one.
1: Yeah. Well, I haven't. Yeah. It's been a while, but uh, yeah, apparently that's one of my nicknames that uh, uh, some friends like to call us or like to call me rather.
0: So, uh, you know,
1: air to the mic like Luke Deccanetti friends. Scare quotes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, buddy, thanks so much for hopping on with me uh, and basically just taking over the show.
0: Uh, I mean, it's let's be honest. In all seriousness, folks, <laughs> Travis wasn't able to be here today. And so you called me up over on Monster Island. You said, hey, Marchland. Uh, I, I need a substitute like now. And I said, sure, I'll come over. But let me tell you, if you thought the bureaucracy and Shin Godzilla is bad, try getting approval from the Monster Island Board of Directors to make a last-minute trip to the States to record another podcast. I'm just saying.
1: Well, I'm kind of curious now. How did you even get over here? Because it is such a, it was such a last-minute, and to be fair – I didn't ask for you first. I asked actually for Jimmy first, but Jimmy was unavailable. Oh, oh, what the crap, man? Oh, come on. I'm
0: the host. He's the producer. He's my sidekick. Okay. He's the Robin
1: to my Batman. How dare you? That's true. But I feel like Jimmy does not get enough recognition on your podcast.
0: Oh, perhaps. To be fair. But, but come on. The two of you're practically in his rogues gallery at this point. You have this weird rivalry thing thing going. I, just...
1: I like to call it, I like to say that we're frenemies. Like we're friends. Oh, okay. we're, we're truly friends, but we have to put on a show.
0: Oh, uh, I see. I see. But no, I flew here in Ubermogra. It was one quick trip in Ubermogura with Jimmy at the helm, obviously. He's not here with us. He's still over in Ubermogra tinkering with it, but I'm using my handy dandy portable soundboard here to help with the recording and he is listening in on it, and I'm just saying he might pipe in. I don't know if and or when he will do that. I am
1: not my producer's keeper. Just well, let's well, okay. So to be fair, you are here to help me. I, you know, Jimmy has a lot more he needs to handle over there in Ubermoger. But and by the way, I thought that thing was damaged when you had um, Matt and Gratton on the island.
0: Yeah. What do you think Jimmy is doing right now? He's still trying to fix it.
1: So he brought you over here in a damaged mech.
0: Oh, he's been working on it since, then. that was back before. That was back in December. He's tinkered with it since, then, so it's at least
1: flyable at this point. Oh, it's 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 flyable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that does it also swim too? Because I imagine that uh, one one more mess up from from uh, from Jimmy, and it would take a plunge into the ocean. We haven't tested that yet, or rather, he tested that yet. And
0: once <laughs> he test that, I am going to make sure I'm not flying in it. I'm just saying.
1: All right. Well, anyway, before uh, before we continue this discussion, Nathan, first of all, I just want to say thank you for uh, subbing in for Travis. Travis needed this episode off. And I know that I can always count on our friend from Monster Island to come in and fill in. So for anyone who is not familiar with you and your show, do you want to do any kind of shameless plugs before we get started? Just so oh, I don't forget not. them at the end of the show? Yes.
0: Why not? Because as I have said many a time, Shameless self-promotion is basically one of my spiritual gifts. So I am Nate Marchand, the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. We're a film appreciation podcast. We're not really a review show. You guys are a review show, which is great. Our show is more about discussing films, what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, and then diving deeper into them to understand the historical and cultural context behind each one of them. So, for example, I went through the Kong series, and in the first episode on Kong 33, I did some research on the Great Depression, because in order to understand why King Kong that original movie was as important as it was. You have to understand what was going on at the time, namely the great depression.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's similar to uh, I think you and I had this discussion. It's similar to what's going on with GVK. Uh, You know, King Kong, King Kong 33 was sort of a, an escape from the great depression. Whereas GVK was an escape for a lot of folks with the pandemic. So I totally get where you're coming from.
0: Yes. Yes. So I will say at quite the adventure when that
1: movie premiered on the island, so I heard. Um, I I follow all of the the cast and crew of the Monster Island film Ball, and it sounds like you guys had a uh, uh, a really I don't I don't want to say a fun time, but at least it was interesting.
0: Yes. Uh, to put
1: it succinctly,
0: Kong has a drinking problem, and well, we all knew that. Mary at the after party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then too much Jim- re- too much red, red berry red, juice, red, of course. Red, yes, and then Jimmy decided to solve it with mechanic Kong mark two and that went about as well as you expected <laughs> i'm bad yeah uh,
1: yeah um,
0: uh, well let's just say a uh, little gia had to save the day again i'll leave it at that
1: <laughs> okay well um nathan just really quickly before we kind of move into the episode where can people find your show you can find the podcast
0: on our website, monsterislandfilmvault.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the Monster Isla One. And yes, before he pipes in, because I'm sure he'll pipe in about this, I am contractually obligated to let you know to follow my intrepid producer, Jimmy from NASA, who miraculously survived the infamous war in space, but he will not tell me how. At NASA Jimmy. And also, you should follow. Oh, there's several associated accounts now on Twitter with this podcast. So, Crystal Lady Jessica at Crystal Lady Jess1, the Monster Island Board of Directors at Monster Isla BOD, because apparently they love their BOD, and the board's attorney general, as I like to call him, Raymond Martin, whose handle is at MIFV underscore legal team, or it's M-I-F-V legal team underscore uh, M-I-F-V legal underscore team. I don't quite remember. Mm -hmm. It'll still come up when you look for it. And the podcast can also be found on
1: Facebook and on Instagram. Those are the places to find it. Awesome. And the reason I went ahead and had you do all of your shameless plugs earlier on in the episode is because we have been getting a lot of new listeners. Uh, for the show and we've been getting a lot of new reviews and speaking of reviews we actually we actually have a brand new review to read for the show that uh that comes from our friends over at the drift space podcast um the title of the re- the title of the review is being kind to Rew- to rewind this podcast Uh, Kaiju Weekly has benefited from being something of a safe zone for the kaiju listeners. Not to say they don't have biting opinions when they want to, but they're more fun about it than our show. As as such things stay fun, tight, and have a sense of importance in the material being covered. Love the news bites as as many podcasts tend to forego that kind of material Five stars. Well, thank you so much, guys, at The Drift Space for writing that very eloquent review. And I have to assume, because that review was so eloquent, uh, of course, JR wrote it.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, clearly. He is the most articulate and learned of all of the hosts on that. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, we had JR, uh, and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Um, Jake, I think. Jake? Is it Jake? Or is it... uh, H? Jake H. Something Jackson. Like yeah. Jack, is it Jackson? Something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, we had them both on for our uh, turbo episode when we covered turbo, <laughs> a power Rangers movie. And we had so much fun with those guys. Um, and obviously this was Jake. This was, this has Jake written all over it as far as the review goes. Mm
0: hmm. Most definitely.
1: Or, uh, not Jake. I'm sorry, Jr. This has Jr. written all over yes. it. As well, far as the they both
0: goes. start with J, it's easy to get them mixed up. Yeah.
1: I think. Wait. Do the, the, they start with J or do they start with G? I, you know, I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. I feel like one. I feel like on their show they call one of their hosts G. So I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what that stands for. Yeah. Um, Is he a tall some- I would think he'd be called Big G. You know, maybe uh, yeah. I hear he's some sort of a trigger man uh, in some yeah. circles.
0: Yeah, like Ultraman Trigger.
1: Uh, uh, maybe, possibly. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. That Ultraman Trigger hasn't come out yet, so I yeah. guess you could make but, that you could make it, that assumption. Yeah, would he be the Ultra Trigger Man? Is that- The possible? Yeah, okay, that's what we'll call him from now on. The Ultra it's Trigger the
0: monitor, Man. Actually, Ultra Trigger Man. I like it.
1: It does. Uh, he should be proud of that new moniker that we just gave right. him on the fly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into more of this episode and before this episode gets too off the rails, as it typically does with you on the show, Nathan, the <laughs> oh, actual oh, I have heard, I have listened to almost every episode of your show when <laughs> it's just you and Travis
0: that comes off the rails, man.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about. This is a family friendly show <laughs> that caters to just good down-to-earth people who don't like confrontation at all right right that's right. that's the, that's my story and i'm sticking to it right and anakin skywalker <laughs> likes sand all right okay well anyway so if you're ready nathan we do have a little bit of news to cover so let's cue the beady beady cue the beady beady And the first bit of news comes uh, at us, and it tells, and it tells us. I'm getting a little tongue-tied here. Sorry, guys. Uh, looks like there's going to be a quiet place too, and it's going to premiere on May the 28th. After many, many, many delays uh, during the pandemic, uh, Param, uh, looks like Paramount has cut the film's exclusive run in theaters in half to 45 days. Um, from its original planned 90 days, which was seemingly caused by some behind the scenes drama with, uh, Jim from the office. So have you seen anything? Well, first of all, let me ask you, have you seen quiet place one? I have. Do you like quiet place one? I did. I did too. I thought it was a good movie. Um, it was unique for its time. It's very, it's very rare that we get an actual, uh, giant monster movie that kind of uh penetrates that main that mainstream veil and I think the quiet place the first quiet place was one of those movies because if you go I really enjoyed the film I really did it was it's more of a suspense science fiction thriller than a giant monster movie which is more of what we're we're uh used to on this show but I know both Travis and I really 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 loved the first quiet place and I'm looking forward to quiet place too
0: yeah, I'm very curious to see what they do with it. I'm I I do hope that because unfortunately one of the problems that you run into with particularly with horror movie franchises is the problem of diminishing returns. Mm. And the premise of the first movie was very effective and I'm wondering if it will remain effective. For because for those who don't know, this is set in a post-apocalyptic world where these creatures have started appearing and they are blind and they hunt entirely by sound and Mm -hmm. their hearing is so good that even the slightest noise they can hear. So all the characters, because you, in the first movie you follow a family Mm -hmm. and they are doing their best to hide. They have to, they have to make paths of sand And walk barefoot across it so they don't even rustle grass or step on a tree branch to attract attention. They don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And one of the great sources of tension in that movie is the wife is pregnant. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to have the baby and not have the things come after us? Because obviously babies cry. Right, obviously. I've never
1: met a baby who doesn't cry.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of great sources of tension going on in this movie, and I'm really curious to see what they do with the sequel, especially, I mean, I won't say anything because crazy things happen at the end of the first movie, and I'm wondering how the consequences of of the first movie are going to play out in the sequel.
1: Yeah, I'm curious too, because I really, like I said, I really loved The Quiet Place 1. There was a unique tension to that movie that really made it interesting. And I watched it, uh, I actually didn't watch The Quiet Place 1 until fairly recently, maybe like six months ago or something like that. I actually saw it in the theater. Yeah, I didn't get to see it in theaters. For some reason at the time, uh, I had a lot going on and just did not get a chance to go and watch it in theaters. And for some reason, um, it just kind of eluded me for a while. In fact, I forgot it even existed until a few months ago when Travis and I were talking about The Quiet Place 2 uh, forthcoming. And I thought, well, shoot, I haven't even watched uh, Quiet Place 1 uh so how can I be excited for quiet place too? But I have since watched the movie and it is a very unique take on the giant monster, uh, suspense thriller, dr- uh, uh, genre. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if you haven't seen the quiet place, go out and watch it. I think it'll be all there, there. are some themes in that movie that are very interesting that you don't get to see a whole lot of in a, um, in a Hollywood in a big budget Hollywood, Uh, film these days. So please go and watch it and then get yourself ready for quiet place Two. And I'm sure that I think Travis has been wanting to cover the quiet place on the podcast uh, for a while. Um, And it just, for some reason we haven't. So I imagine that we're going to be trying to make time for it Mm -hmm. um, in the coming months. I know we've got a listeners choice month coming up very, very soon. So we may throw it into the pile there and see if anyone actually votes for it.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting is Netflix made a movie around the same time with a similar gimmick that had, darn it, what's her name? Uh, It was the Birdhouse. Oh, Birdhouse? No, no, uh,
1: Bird Box. Bird Bird Box. Box. Yeah, and
0: and I can't remember that. It's It's Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. I was gonna say I feel bad that I didn't remember that name, but yeah, Sandra Bullock. And I
1: haven't heard as much good about that one. I never got around to watching it. It's decent. I watched it. Um, It's a pretty good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not as good as The Quiet Place, though. I'm sure. Yeah. So moving on to the next news item, Mill Creek Entertainment will release Ultraman Leo on Blu-ray and streaming starting May 25th. And I have already pre-ordered mine. So Nathan, I'm assuming you've already done the same. I
0: have as well. I got to add it to the vault, man. Got to archive those episodes in the vault.
1: Are you up to date on all of your Mill Creek Ultraman?
0: Yes, I have okay. everything that they've released so far. I haven't watched all of it, but I haven't.
1: <laughs> oh, it's same for me. I haven't watched all of it either. Like I just finished, I just finished Ace. I think I told you this not oh, too long
0: man. ago.
1: Yeah, I just finished Ace, so I got to go and uh, watch Taro next. Oh, so- yeah, I'm
0: working through Taro right now. Ace is a
1: fever dream, man. <laughs> Um, uh, it is, it's, it's really, um, as different as ultra seven is, this is so much more different and, uh, ACE is ACE is so much more different. And, um, honestly, uh, out of the Showa Ultraman series that I've watched so far, I got to say that return is still my favorite
0: return is high on my list as well.
1: Yeah. So I'll be catching up on Ace and Taro, hopefully in time for Ultraman Leo uh, that I have already pre-ordered. So uh, I'm just going to be adding one more to the collection. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if this is old news or new news, um, but we also got some of the new generation films coming at us, too, from Mill Creek uh movie generator movie number one and movie generator movie number two random uh
0: generator the movie ran- yeah.
1: yeah the random title generator the movie and i know listener if you're not familiar with ultraman you have no clue what we're talking about Yeah,
0: to, to just to let you know we're talking about ultra galaxy mega monster battle the series and the movie yeah it is noteworthy because it was the first appearance
1: of ultraman belial mm-hmm and is it, is it is it Belial or Belial so, so. is it Belial or, is it Belial or Belial i say Belial
0: cuz i think I like exactly how you're supposed to say it. it's a hebrew name and i think that's how you're supposed to say it in hebrew
1: yeah i go by the hebrew naming i go by the hebrew pronunciation too uh but i know a lot of the people i know a lot of people in the fandom say Belial uh in fact i think there's a whole new podcast surrounded oh. or around that same name. I'm. uh Who are those guys that run it again? I think our friends David and Chris. David and Chris. Yep. Saved by the bellyol. That's how they say it. Yeah, it's a fantastic show. It's all about Ultraman. It's a really unique premise. Uh Guys, definitely go check it out. Saved by the bellyol. It's mm-hmm. a brand new old. It's an atrocious. An atro What is it? Saved by the bellyol. An
0: atrocious. A- an atrocious. I, I can't even see. I'm so used to saying things correctly. I can't even say it wrong. <laughs> <right>. An atrocious. <laughs> It's, <laughs> I mean,
1: it's atrocious. Cool this, isn't it? this is your cold open right here. Meme is no, it's fine. It's atrocious. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's saved by the Belial an atrocious, atrocious an
0: ultraman that, podcast, something like that. There we go.
1: There we go. Okay. So, all right. Uh, saved by the Belial and atroce and a, atro- see, I can't even say atrocious,
0: atrocious, it now.
1: An atrocious, a try because it comes from
0: Belial atrocious. Atro- I can't even say it right. <laughs> right yeah. this uh, project, right that's the problem
1: <laughs> anyway go look it up saved by the belly it's a great podcast we're gonna we're done butchering their name so uh <laughs> and then on the same
0: day you're also going to get the ultraman zero collection
1: mm-hmm. yep I already create created
0: that as well to random title generator the movie called revenge of belial mm-hmm. and a couple of other films and specials and all of that, that all feature Ultraman zero, because interestingly as popular as Ultraman zero is, he has never had his own TV show. He just appears in everybody else's stuff.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that series
0: as well. He's had some movies, but he's never had his own TV show.
1: Right. Right. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. I think I'm still holding out for, uh, I'm still holding out for uh, what is it? Ultraman. Oh shoot! Ultraman, the ultimate hero.
0: Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see they get released too, and I think Subaraya and Mill Creek are working to make it happen. But yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, you know who knows. Eventually, we'll get it. Eventually, we'll get all the ultras on our on our shelves, and so I'm really not too too worried about it. Anyway, moving on to the next news item: Godzilla Singular Point releases its 13 episode season on U.S. Netflix June 18th. Now, I know a lot of our friends and a lot of people have already been able to catch up to episode seven. Seven, or I eight. think. It's, yeah. yeah, it's seven or eight. So there's a lot of information out there now about uh, Godzilla Singular Point, and it and the episodes I have seen, I have seen one through. I think I've seen one through five. Uh, the one where uh, I think I've seen up until spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, Godzilla Aquatus, or AKA, uh, it's actually I- Titanosaurus. <laughs> it's not Titanosaurus shows up. I think I've seen up through that, and then. Um, I haven't watched anything else since, so, uh, I've tried to stay away from it as best I can, but I can't help myself. So, so far what I've seen has been a lot of fun. So anyway, let me ask you, Nathan, what have you thought, have you been able to watch? First of all, have you been able to watch any episodes, uh, from overseas yet? I have
0: not, which you would think given that I'm in Ogasawara that I would, but I am waiting to watch it with everybody else on the 18th
1: of G- i'm shocked i'm a little bit shocked that you that they don't have that that already uh fed onto the island yet oh they do i just don't watch it <laughs> oh well. okay i mean to each their own i suppose i i mean i'm too nosy or too or maybe just too curious or something to n- avoid it so i've been watching and um Trying to getting a feel for it, and then of course when it comes to Netflix in June, it'll be US dubbed, and so yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a lot more context as to what's going on because we'll be able to actually watch and listen at the same time, uh, and for us lazy folks who don't like to read, uh, that'll be a okay. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's been a lot of fun, but I'll, before we get off of this particular topic, I want to ask you something really quick, and what in your opinion. It has been the most interesting of the new designs for Godzilla Singular Point.
0: Honestly,
1: probably Jet
0: Jaguar. I'm really curious. I, I, I
1: love I can
0: ridiculous tra- uh, controversy they got brewed up because of it. And trust me, I, you know Jimmy and I work with Jet. And he's been making all of those weird mods to himself, and we're not quite sure that they're a great idea. But then we saw that little music video get dropped this week, and it's almost like it was intentionally made (laughs) to say, Oh, did you think that this new Jet Jaguar design sucked? (laughs) Think again, dear sir and madam. Think again. Uh, Yeah, Jet Jaguar's got a battle axe with your name on it.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's been interesting how they how so far they've uh i don't i don't want to say bait and switch honestly because i don't think that's fair to say that but they have reimagined some of our favorite kaiju from past toho films yeah. um specifically not titanosaurus aka uh godzilla aquatus mm-hmm. uh, i think or aquatilis something i don't yeah, I think Aquatilus. i'm saying that correctly that's okay yeah. And what is the newest one? Godzilla amphibious. Is that the newest one?
0: Looks like the unholy love child of Varan and a walrus and what? A walrus. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the one that really started making people freak out is, uh, is uh, not Gabara.
1: Who's Salunga. Yeah. Salunga or Salunga. Something Uh, like that. It was just, huh? Yeah. I know it's, I don't have a problem with the new designs, honestly, and as long as and so far uh, the the monsters have been pretty cool in the uh, um, in the series. I really like what they've done with Anguirus, uh, yes. giving us both a male and female. Oh, spoiler! Sorry, spoiler! Giving us both a male and female Angiris, so that's been super interesting. So, does that mean we can call the female Angie? Possibly, Angie and I'm Andy. it right now. I'm starting
0: it right now. Henry, the host, part of Titanus. Doug, I'm starting Angie for
1: female Angiris in <laughs> single appointment. That's here. fair. Okay, <laughs> Angie, and and An- <laughs> Angie and Andy. Angie and Andy. Angie and Andy. For, there, there you go. Okay, there we go for the male and female, uh, for the male and female Angiris. Um, but yeah, those have been my favorite. I think only because they've stuck the true. They've they've stuck sort of the closest to the original kaiju. And as people have learned recently, I'm full of Angiris energy anyway. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, I really, really dig Anguirus and actually I think Manda's pretty nice too. So anyway, we'll move on from, we'll move on from this topic for right now, but we're looking forward to covering, uh, Godzilla singular point in a couple of months. I think that one's coming up. I think we're actually going to be doing that episode in June. We're going to, I think we plan on binging that episode or binging that series uh, as soon as it comes out and then we're going to do a review on it shortly thereafter. So that should be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, one, and then there's another news item that
0: we don't have on our list that we should probably talk about, which is the new Godzilla theme park ride that's VR that just opened in Japan.
1: Oh yeah. Cause that one has, um, that one has legendary Ghidorah and, um, an unholy amalgamation of Heisei Godzilla and Legendary Godzilla, which I've seen, and this is, let me preface this by saying, this is the nature of the internet. The the nature of the internet is to complain about the most minute thing. Uh, I have seen more people complain in the last two days about this theme park ride, a a ride that, let me, let me just add here that most of them will never actually be on. (laughs) I've, I've I've seen more people complain about these th- this five seconds of footage than I think we've seen them complain about when we saw the uh, test rendering of the boat scene from GVK. So yes,
0: um, uh, I, I just found out. Uh, I just found the name. It's Godzilla: The Ride, climactic giant monster battle, and it's nice. going to be at Japan's Sebuin amusement park. Saving, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think the uh, the concept behind that is what the ride is centered around a battle between Godzilla and King Ghidorah. Yes. Um, so that's, you know, it, that seems like a really great experience for a VR ride. I know we got, we sort of got a VR ride in GVK with the battle between uh, Godzilla <laughs> and Kong. Um, so. Uh, I imagine that a battle between Godzilla and his arch rival, it would be just as fun, if not more fun, but uh, we didn't get a whole lot of view of what King Ghidorah is going to look like. Um, Other than looks,
0: apparently he too can gator crawl. Come yeah, at I me. Mean,
1: come at me boys. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I actually kind of like the, the altered design a little bit. It looks like to, it looks to me that he has a beak. Which reminds me a lot of um, what is the one from the Mothra trilogy? The um, Grand
0: King Ghidorah. Or are you talking about in- Desk
1: No, we're talking about um, uh, Paleo Ghidorah. Um, Cretaceous Ghidorah. Oh, uh, the Cretaceous Ghidorah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Because that's what it sort of reminds me of in a way. And I, and I like it. I like that design. Um, and what I find interesting about Godzilla is it looks very heisei. Uh, it's it's big and bulky, and it's got the big Heisei uh, spines on his back. It does yeah. not resemble Legendary at all. Um, crazy, but I felt
0: like the head had shades of Godzilla Ultima from Singular Point.
1: A little bit, maybe because of the, maybe the fact that it was a lot wider, like the mall of Godzilla was a lot wider. Whereas a lot of the complaints I've seen about legendary Godzilla is that his head is very small and very narrow, sort of like a crocodile, Mm -hmm. whereas this one looks like a throwback to, uh, what Godzilla, what the Godzilla we know and love, Mm -hmm. uh, from, from the Heisei era from the Mm nineties. So I really like it. Uh, looks like a lot. Looks to be a lot of fun. Unfortunately, uh, it's only going to be in Japan. So I know we have, a, we might have a few listeners in Japan that might be able to experience it for themselves. If you are overseas and you are able to actually go to this ride, please let us know what your experience is like, uh, so that we can um, share your thoughts on the podcast. <clears throat> and the last bit of news that we have. is... Is that Godzilla vs Kong will release on Blu-ray and DVD June the fifteenth? Now this release will also include a special edition, a special edition steelbook uh, that's already been previewed. I don't know. I've seen preview images of the Best Buy version steelbook. I don't know if there's going to be any other steelbooks. I imagine there are. There's usually one or two different steelbooks that come out uh, when a new release like this comes out. But I know that Best Buy has a reputation of having um, uh, really great steelbook designs for their covers. I know the the steelbook design for Godzilla 2014 in 4K was was fantastic, I thought. Um, And... Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the store Best Buy, it's basically a, an electronic store over here in the United States. I'm only saying that for our overseas listeners. Okay. Because I think we do have a couple of overseas listeners. As uh, I? So. Yes. So um, so Best Buy will get its own Steelbook exclusive. We saw previews of uh, what the 4K release cover will look like. And I think the cover for that one is the the really interesting scene. They're really... Uh, the climactic end to the round three battle for Godzilla versus Kong where they're just screaming at each other. Yeah. Uh, which is a great symbol for just the internet in general. Yes. It's a great, it's a great analogy just for the internet in general. Yeah. Just, and,
0: I, just I the- and something that's interesting is we talked about those, of Ultraman releases that are going to be in June they're all uh, GVK and all of those are dropping on the same day so all of us Kaiju and Toku fans are going to have an abundance of releases in the middle of June and my birthday is two weeks after that so hint hint
1: everybody just saying <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, to, but to ship it all the way to the island there, man, I'm sorry, but uh, that's I, why Jimmy has drones. I just <laughs> true. I love you, but I don't know if I love you. I don't know if I love you that much.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you've had run ins with those drones. I'm just saying. I've had.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not ha- letting Jimmy send another drone to my house. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but have you already just really quickly before we move on to the main topic? Do, have you already pre-ordered any of these? Uh, that are available, not,
0: but uh, I'm I may pre-order them, or I may just, yeah, I I may just you know see if I can you know when I take a little trip to the states maybe in June maybe I'll see if I can just walk into a store and grab one.
1: Well, from what I and this is what I told our friend uh, Danny Demana at the Godzilla Novelization Project. As far as Godzilla versus Kong stuff goes, I've decided not to take any chances because people are eating up the merchandise for that stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You want to brag about how you have acquired the Funko Godzilla <laughs> Holy Grail at this point?
1: I don't, No, I don't want to really brag too much, but I mean, he is pretty fantastic. He's sitting on my, he, he's sitting across the desk from you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm
0: trying uh, not to steal him. So. Yeah, I know you are
1: here. Let me just move him out of the way just so that just so that you don't put your greasy pizza paws on on uh, on my Funko. Yeah. Um, so uh, one more item. I think it was just released yesterday or the day before yesterday. We're actually getting a three pack Blu-ray uh, featuring the uh, Godzilla versus Kong, King of the Monsters and Kong Skull Island, which. I found it odd that we're not getting any 2014 love for that set. Um,
0: What the heck Warner Brothers?
1: Maybe because they've already released the new a new version of 2014 and there's, you know, there's already uh, a Blu-ray version of that out in circulation. I'm not sure why they wouldn't just put all four on one Blu-ray or one Blu-ray set rather, I, I it feels incomplete to me.
0: It does, and it would have been such an easy thing to market to just say, own the Monsterverse.
1: Maybe yeah, it would. It would be a it would be a great marketing tool, but maybe they're just trying to push people to buy that four K version that they just released maybe last Could month. Be. So Could be, could be be a marketing ploy. So anyway, that's it for the news for this week. We went a little bit longer than I expected us to. Well, there was a lot of
0: stuff to cover. So
1: there was a lot of stuff to cover. I, I do agree. So it's time to move into the main topic of the episode. And for anyone who is not familiar with our show, we like to ask a trivia question that alludes to the topic that we're going to be talking about. And the trivia question we asked on social media is, what recently aired TV series was animated by the same studio that worked on the Godzilla anime trilogy? And so we got quite a few answers. Um, The first answer... Comes from our friend, Elijah. Oh, uh, Elijah, the guy I'm, I'm beating right now. Yes, that guy, that what? guy, the guy, the, the, our friend, Elijah of the, um, uh, Kaiju discussion podcast or no, I'm sorry. Kaiju conversations. Podcast.
0: Yes. Yeah. There
1: we go. The Kaiju <laughs> conversation podcast, but yes, we love Elijah. Elijah is a very good friend of ours. We pick on him a little bit, but he deserves it. Um, so he wrote in and his answer is Yeti, the
0: white. Gee whiz, man. What happened to family friendly? I mean, you already had to censor this thing on Twitter. How,
1: how dare you? Wow. I'm wow. Okay. Um, Elijah, you, I, I, Okay. I, I mean, Okay. Yet- I, Yeti
0: nipples were bad enough. Did you really have to bring this in? I, just say I
1: would, I'm just, I, you know, I didn't expect you to go there, Elijah. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in you, honestly, but, uh, we will forgive you because we do love you. Yes. Uh, Damon Noyce, uh, Pacific Rim, uh, Jaeger, Jaeger. No, no, no. no. It's, uh, Hormagander, Hormagander's Form- Revenge. <laughs> rise, rise of Reptilicus. Yes. Because he our friend Reptilicus. Damon, he does love Reptilicus. If we ever cover Reptilicus, we're going to have to have him on the show. Because if I
0: ever cover Reptilicus, I'm going to have to have him on the show. And I I mean, Rep, yeah, Reptilicus is on the island. I, if Damon's going to lose his mind next time he comes over.
1: Right. Right? Okay. Well, I mean, Damon, there you go. Next, When we ever cover Reptilicus, which, when, whenever or if we ever get to it, you can be on the show with us, uh, and hopefully you have a better time with us than you might with Nathan on his show. I, I um, love the fact that his answer has two subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> The next answer comes from our friends, uh Matt and Grattan at the Giant Monster BS podcast. Which uh by the way, Matt and Grattan just graduated film school. So congratulations. Oh, they did. Yes. Fellas. Congratulations, Matt and Gratton, for graduating film school. Really proud of you guys. Uh they did they just recently released a short film on it their actually, YouTube. Weirdly enough, has gamera in it. It does. It so it applies. We may cover it on the podcast someday. That would be hilarious. It would be. It would be so much fun. Uh, but their answer is the World Series. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I expected better, but okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna say compared to what you guys normally do, weak sauce. That was very weak sauce. <laughs> um, and looks like we had something from your producer Jimmy from NASA, uh, who's actually. Uh, well, oh, okay. hey, Jimmy. He's hey.
0: Apparently, he's decided that he's just going to read his answer. Well, okay,
1: well, right here, all right, go for it.
0: Really? Yes, that very interesting indeed. Uh, Indian rim, the fuchsia. Uh, can you explain what that is supposed to mean, man? oh yes the indian ocean obviously i get it now because pacific rim and atlantic rim are already taken i get it now
1: oh okay all right good answer jimmy we appreciate that now get back to work um the next answer comes from our friend raymond martin uh singular sensation point break okay that actually sounds weirdly japanese It does sound weirdly Japanese, honestly. I mean, I've seen Point Break. Yeah, Um, I'm watching Singular Point. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure where Sensation comes from. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go there because this is a family-friendly podcast.
0: Actually, my thought was that this sounds like it's a series about tennis-playing kaiju.
1: Oh yeah. Okay, that makes that actually makes more sense than what I had in my head for sure. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Lady, man, family-friendly. I, look! I'm trying really hard this week. I know Travis had to reprimand me a little bit last week because some things got a little off the rails. So much, in fact, he had to insert the Looney Tunes theme into the episode to censor all the to censor the tirade that I went on.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that's the, the board's attorney general. He could seriously sue you into oblivion
1: oh well we wouldn't want that i'm already uh, for some reason i'm on the boards uh list again for some reason i'm not sure why um the next answer comes from crystal lady jessica Uh,
0: my pseudo sister
1: Hmm. yay nathan's pseudo nathan's better half literally i'm not her (laughs) The frick, man! <laughs> get it right oops sorry nathan is not dating his sister i'm just gonna no, I would I'm just gonna throw Indiana, that out there. not kentucky well i'm not from kentucky either so i don't know yeah, what or you're
0: carelessly right right. close enough i'm just saying
1: oh uh, all right whatever yeah, you're
0: in anyway. Arganbin, virginia i'm
1: just <laughs> uh so crystal lady jessica writes in mobile suit jaeger kaiju bloodied orphans that is super like dark. Blooded Kaiju blooded orphans. Sorry, Kaiju blooded orphans. Okay, I went darker than what she intended. I'm <laughs>
0: yes, <sorry>. you did.
1: <laughs> this
0: is actually a reference to a Gundam series. that's Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. So she's having a little bit of fun with that.
1: Which I should remember, given our discussion with Ben of the Fake Nerds podcast last week when we talked for a good hour and a half just about Gundam. Uh, which was great because I had not seen a, I had not seen Gundam in uh, probably a couple of decades at least. (laughs) And it was, uh, it was nice. I mean, look, I, it just, the, the, the the Gundam fad kind of passed me by growing up for some reason. I don't know why I just, you know, I remember the toys. I remember the model kits. I remember the show being on Toonami, but I don't remember much else about it. So I think this, that, that and Pokemon just kind of passed me by.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a fair amount of Gundam. I have a friend over in Indiana named Bill, who is the biggest Gundam fan that I know, and we will have Gundam binge parties.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. That sounds awesome. Uh, our friend Kaiju Kim, uh, Kim Hogue, uh, ha- wrote in, and she said, Atlantic Rim the Pink. Hmm.
0: So is this the uh, the uh, sequel series for what happened to Kimberly after she left Power Rangers?
1: Possibly. I Hmm. always assumed that she went on to do a mediocre singing and acting career, but it could be this. It could be this. Who knows? Um, So thank you, Kim. We appreciate that. And Kim has a great uh, show on YouTube uh, titled Kaiju Kim, where she posts probably some of the most wholesome content I've ever seen on the internet.
0: Might even be the most wholesome content you'll find on YouTube.
1: Possibly. Most actually, most definitely, because YouTube is getting has gotten progressively worse too. Um, sh- uh, Shadow L Mocha writes in Pacific Rim: The Black, and that was actually Nathan the only correct answer we got <laughs> in this whole grouping. Uh,
0: which basically trained your audience to give you joke answers at this point. We have, we have,
1: we, (laughs) it's very few and far between at this point that we actually get a legitimately correct answer, uh, (laughs) which is great. Don't get me wrong. I actually enjoy the joke answers more than I like the legitimate real answers because you know, you all, we already know what we're covering because it's in the title of the episode and yeah. yeah. So the joke answers are fantastic.
0: Honestly, I'm just kind of picturing Travis whenever he puts that out on Twitter and he knows that he's just going to get the, tw- uh, the joke answers. He's going, yes, dance for me, monkeys. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: you big gold monkey. <laughs> <laughs> and, and every time Rita says that, he's like, I'm a griffin, you idiot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My full lover is not very good. <laughs> well, someone has to be the adult in the room, so... <laughs> Thank you to everyone who answered our trivia question, and thank you again, Nathan, for coming on because we are going to be covering the Netflix animated series *Pacific Rim: The Black*, season one, and the cast and crew reads like this: uh, Cullum Worthy as Taylor Travis, uh, Gideon. I'm hoping I'm saying that correct. I'm hoping I'm saying that correct correctly. Gideon. Adalon as Haley Travis, Erica Lindbeck as Loa, uh, Ben Diskin as Kaiju Boy, uh, Victoria Grace as Maya, or uh, May, I'm sorry, May, uh, and Andy McPhee as Shane. Uh, um, there's a whole other cast and crew of characters. If you want to find that out, please go over to IMDB because that's where we pulled this from. Um So, and the plot, so the plot breakdown uh, goes like this. After Kaiju ravage Australia, two siblings pilot a Jaeger to search for their parents, encountering new creatures, seedy characters, and a chance, and chance allies. So, Pacific Rim the Black, season one. Nathan, what are your initial thoughts? I
0: really like this. Now, there were a lot of things when I watched it. I was curious to see what they would do with it because I'm just going to throw it out there. This isn't a hot take, but in this room, it might be a hot take. But I was not a fan of Uprising, so I was wondering, is this before the movies? Is it during the movies? Is it after the movies? And are they actually going to acknowledge uprising and things like that and i just like just please don't be uprising please don't be uprising that's basically was my thought process going into it and i'm yes and yes it's not uprising
1: (laughs) no it's not uprising and i actually have a fond um i have a fond appreciation for uprising um and uh more so than you do I love the original Pacific Rim. I actually think Uprising gets a pretty bad rap from the fan base. I see its problems. I see why people dislike it so much. But uh, a, but a lot like Godzilla vs. Kong, it's a whole lot of just weak tea when it comes to criticisms of the movie. In my opinion. Now, let me, let me preface this by saying this is my opinion. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But I actually liked Uprising. I really liked the black. I liked the family drama because when the series opens up, you immediately get, you immediately get thrown into a kaiju attack uh, or a kaiju Jaeger battle. And uh, within like the first, I'd say 15 minutes or so um, you pretty much know what the premise of this show is going to be. It is a uh, very quickly. They did. It's a redemption story. It is a um, uh, what is, it's not necessarily a hero's journey, but it's, um oh what is what I, what I'm, what I, it's a journey it's a quest it's more like basic. a quest story it's not
0: really a hero's journey it's a quest story although I do think there's some elements of hero's journey in here because our two main characters Taylor and Haley or you know that's well, funny because the the three primary characters that we have on this show are tay Hay, and May so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't I, I never really noticed that but okay yeah you're right
0: <laughs> I, I just think that's kind of funny it is kind of funny and you've you glossed over the fact that they have the the same their surname is your co-host's <laughs> first name so <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, what did you think about so let's let's dig in here and le- what did you think about our our characters, our main our main antagonist and protagonist?
0: I actually really liked the characters in here. If we want to start getting into the you know the positivity sandwich here, uh, one of my things that I really liked in this was the characters. And what's really interesting about this is that this could easily have been a young adult novel. This really feels like a young adult novel, like a like a Hunger Games or
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, not a Twilight, but uh, what's the other one that was kind of big? That was a dystopian science fiction
1: um, um,
0: series based on it, too.
1: Uh, to this. I don't know. <laughs> I may have to cut this, but actually, I'm just going to say, I, well, I'm not going to cut it because I don't know.
0: But anyway, so in these, because these are the sorts of characters that you would see in a story like that. And it's a story that is very indicative of that sort of thing, because basically their goal is we want to find our parents. It's not, mm. we're going to go save the world, because this is, if you go into this expecting the same sort of tone as the movies, you're in for a shock, because this is pretty dark. <laughs>
1: i mean it it, it is dark yeah it it definitely is
0: we are canceling the apocalypse you know it's none of that it's two kids who are maybe 15 16 years old Mm -hmm. and they just want to find their mom and dad because their mom and dad were jaeger pilots and they left five years before this and never came back Mm
1: -hmm. it feels like a very adult story uh, it feels like a very adult story. It's like, it's one of those, it's one, it feels like one of those stories where uh, you have these, you have these kids who have to grow up way too fast. Yes. And because when we, when it, I think the time lapse is what, five years, three years, five years, something five like years. that? Five years. Okay. So five years passes uh, since their parents leave to go to Sydney um, to search for help, to help uh, the kid, to help their little crew of uh people that they saved from the kaiju attack and um uh you're immediately greeted with this sort of um what is it what is it what's the word i'm looking for um basically uh Haley and um taylor uh are the leaders of this little colony you know they've already established they've already established residence in this area it sort of looks <clears throat> sort of looks like um like just sort of like an oasis because there's, there's water, Mm -hmm. there's areas where they can plant food and all this other thing. So they're just doing these things to survive. And they've in, 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 in between their parents leaving and, you know, them trying to survive, they've essentially made this little colony for themselves. And so that's where we, what we see when the time lapse happens. So, uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, Haley discovers a mech, um, and the name of the mech escapes me. I'm Atlas sorry. Atlas Destroyer. Atlas Destroyer. Uh, she discovers a mech in the bowels of this facility that was sunk into the ground after the continent was lost to the kaiju. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Titan.
0: The black, because they shut, they basically destroyed all the satellites that were above Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they. Really it's a, just a, the rest of the world.
1: Basically, it's like just a, they went into like extreme blackout from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, they find this mech, they try to, they get into it, they, 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 they turn it on and immediately uh, it sets off all these alarms and then the kaiju arrive. And the kaiju arrive, uh, um, uh, uh, Copperhead, yes, Copperhead, uh, which I will say is probably one of my favorite kaiju in the Pacific Rim multiverse, not multiverse, but the Pacific Rim universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like Copperhead. A lot. I like the design of it's very simple, but it's effective. I think. Yes. Um, so, he Copperhead...
0: He becomes the dragon that they have to slay.
1: Basically, yes. He's the he is the persistent. Uh, yeah, he's the persistent dragon that they have to to, mm-hmm. to evo- both avoid and conquer at the end of the series. But it turns it quickly turns into uh, what I was thinking about earlier when I was watching this. Basically, a quest to um uh, redeem themselves of survivors guilt is what it kind of turned into yeah, it's, it's
0: a little bit of that but it's also for Haley because she blame because what ends up happening is she finds Atlas destroyer turns it on and that attracts copperhead's attention and then mm-hmm. comes in and attacks their little colony and she blames herself for mm-hmm. everybody at this colony dying and her brother keeps trying to tell him tell her that that's not your fault, but she, she carries that with her. So she blames herself for that.
1: Yeah. Not to shift gears too much, but what did you think of the character boy
0: boy was interesting as soon as he showed up and cause they find him in a lab in episode two. And I'm thinking, okay, something's going on with this kid mm-hmm. and I wasn't <clears throat> sure what it was going to be. And then mm-hmm. that becomes a little bit of a mystery because boy doesn't talk he's got weird quirks about him like we see him catch a butterfly and you think oh he's catching a butterfly he
1: thinks it's cute then he eats it (laughs) (laughs) or it is it's implied that he killed a snake but he actually got he got
0: bit him but it but there wasn't even a bite mark on him and he didn't get poisoned and uh, he tries to kill a scorpion with a screwdriver at one point And Mm -hmm. he's just, he's acting very strange. The craziest thing that happens with boy and we're going full till spoilers with this. So just saw you. Yes,
1: Yeah, I do need to, I do need to throw this out there. This is a spoiler review. I should have probably said this at the beginning when we started first, when we started talking about it, but this is going to be a a spoiler review. So if you've never, if you haven't had a chance to see Pacific Rim, the black yet, pause this episode, go watch it and then come back to us. Yeah. So, there we
0: go. Yeah. But anyway, the craziest thing that happens is I believe it is it's not the penultimate episode, but it's close to the end because the first season's only 7 episodes, which is It's weird. like episode um it's episode it's 4 five or 5 or six where this happens. He mm-hmm. they they're leaving this other colony that they go to that's run by Shane our villain and they he makes it sound like if you just leave by sun by sunrise, I'll let you live. Mm-hmm. well he lets them leave but then he said but then he tells one of his men yeah, go kill him anyway and right. he shoots bull in boy in true
1: in true bad guy fashion
0: yes uh, rule number one of being the hero never under any circumstances trust the bad guy so <laughs> <laughs> yeah he sends one of his men out to kill them he shoots boy first and there's this dramatic scene where he gets it's, I think it's supposed to be that he got shot in the head and then they freak out they get into a tussle with this guy. Then May shows up, our other main character comes in and saves them, and then she kills the guy. And then they find out Boy doesn't have a scratch on him.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then, so all of this continues to build. And then, now, yes, that was episode five. And then in the penultimate episode, he freaking stops a kaiju from punching their Jaeger. He physically stops it, which is insane.
1: Well, okay. So let's, it wasn't an actual kaiju and this we'll is talk, and this is that when we get to there right we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there but it was uh it was a biomech basically is what it's
0: basically yeah. and then we get to the last episode and we find out that we, we get a little bit more of what is going on with him which is that he's aaron jaeger from attack on titan <laughs> <laughs> and he Turns into a kaiju version of Steppenwolf from Justice League. So,
1: well, I thought it, I thought it resembled more of a gremlin from the Gremlins duology. Uh, that as
0: well, I can see that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I thought it resembled more of a gremlin. But if you've ever seen the Gremlin movies, you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yes. So yes, he uh, he can transform into a kaiju. I don't know if he can transform back because by mm-hmm. the end of the episode, he's still in kaiju mode. So we don't know, mm. right? So some's going on with him. I don't know if he was made by the PPDC or if he was sent. The implication seems to be that he was sent by the precursors, which are the aliens that from another dimension that send all the kaiju to attack Earth. Well, yeah, it's
1: said in the episode that the precursors must have made uh, must have made them must have made the kaiju look like humans to blend in. Possibly, that was said. I, we still don't
0: know. That was the characters theorizing because they found him in a lab.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It leads me to believe, and it was a PPDC lab. So mm-hmm. it leads me, to, and for those who don't know, the, P, the PPDC is the Pan Pacific Defense Corps, which is the organization that makes all the Jaegers to fight the kaiju. Right. So I took that to mean that the PPDC made him. Possibly, as some well. Of-
1: seconds before, seconds before that, uh, Taylor says something to the effect of, um, "Well, I thought the PPDC was behind all of this, but apparently he was made by. Apparently, it was due, he comes from the precursors, or the precursors have developed this technology to allow them to blend in." Uh, with humans now, so which is which is really interesting because you know this this is fast forwarding in the series a lot, and we'll back up in a minute. But the 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 series ends with um, with these humans human like people. I'm assuming they're humans, but they're probably sisters. also the sisters. Yes, the sisters. Which I noticed, and I didn't notice the first time I watched this series that their nails glow blue. Like that, mm-hmm. that kaiju blue. I noticed that the second time around. So what I'm assuming they are the same types of humans or or uh, metahumans um, that uh, boy is, uh, but they keep their faces covered. So. I don't know if it's a cult. We don't know if it's a cult thing that they're doing, why they're doing that. Or if it's
0: the implication seems to be that there's some sort of a cult because the last line of the season is the Kaiju Messiah. I'm like, what? Kaiju Messiah. What? Wait, wait, boy
1: is Kaiju Jesus. Is that (laughs) what? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go as, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say Kaiju Jesus, but, uh, (laughs) possibly, uh, Uh, I I mean,
0: (laughs) you say say Kaiju Messiah in the wrong place, lady, you're probably going to get burned at the stake. I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) Well, it reminded me a lot of, um, the third film in the Godzilla trilogy, uh, where they took a very religious, uh, cult, they took a very cultish, uh, turn to it. And I'm imagining in season two, we're going to get the, for lack of a better word, the precursor cult or the kaiju cult. Uh, we're going to get more of that in season two, which I find a very, very interesting story, which I, which I find very interesting. Um, and it adds more layers to, just, to this story other than just kids discover mech Mech fights monster, mech kills monster, uh, and then that's it. There's another there's gonna be another layer added on to it in season two, which I yeah, think is gonna the, be super
0: interesting. The characters' story and their goal is very simple, but they're finding themselves in crazy situations and in a just a lot of stuff is going on in this world, which is actually one of the things that I love about the show is the expansion that it's doing in terms of the of world building for the Pacific Rim universe, expanding on the technology and the lore and the history it is, and going places that are actually quite fascinating and that feel like logical progressions given the sort of technology that is developed in the Pacific Rim universe.
1: Right. One of those logical progressions, one of those logical evolutionary progressions, would be Apex, and we'll touch on Apex in just a minute but i kind of want to stay in the, i want i so i want to stay on the human characters just for just yes, a few yes, more minutes yes, here yes. Um, <clears throat> because human characters are important i know we joke around a lot but human characters are important well and uh, and in pacific
0: rim it really is about the characters it really it is. is there it are really. giant, cool giant robots and there are monsters the monsters are just antagonists basically yes they they're, uh, they're not meant to be characters they're monsters that are there for our characters to kill in their story,
1: and two of which being and two monsters are sort of will play. I, I would imagine they play sort of the anti-hero role, uh, possibly. Yes. Um, but anyway, the the character that I really thought was the most interesting was actually May. Uh, yes, I really I really loved May in this series. I thought she was by far the most interesting character. Um, in this entire franchise or in this entire series. Sorry. Uh, where we, when we first meet may, uh, our anti- our, uh, protagonists, uh, come to a beach where, where they encounter a kaiju and then these group of what I guess are vigilant, not vigilantes, but, um, They're soldiers, uh, soldiers, uh, not assassins, but mercenaries. There's, there's the word mercenaries. I'm mercenaries. mercenaries. Yeah. Mercenaries. So this this group of mercenaries shows up and among those mercenaries is is a character called May uh, who apparently it was a kidnapped um who is a kidnapped little girl by our main antagonist the name escapes me Shane. uh Shane Mhm okay who apparently was a kidnapped little girl by our main antagonist Shane and raised Basically, I don't want to say super soldier, but a just oh, no,
0: but she was also brainwashed, basically. basically uh, yeah, she was drift technology, which is really mm. interesting. So, she's not 100% sure how much of her memory is actually true. That is mm. where that is one of the key parts of her struggle. Is she's had to do terrible things, so she's wrestling with that, and now she's wrestling with the idea that this guy that she thought of as her her father, basically, because mm. he was told that she was an orphan. her parents mm. were killed during a kaiju attack and then he t- and he took her in. That was all a lie. And so she's trying to figure out how much of what I th- you know, of my memory is real and how much right. of it is implanted by him so that he could basically t- turn me into a tool into a yeah. weapon and yeah, and the the drift
1: sequences, the drift sequences for her are very interesting. Um, and they make me want to know a lot more about this character than what we already got. So just, yeah. just overall, Nathan, let me ask you: what did your, what are your just, what are your thoughts and feelings towards May in this?
0: Well, I the well, first thing I want to say, and this is one of the reasons I kind of wish that Travis was here, <laughs> because we've been watching the the, because we a few months ago watched Zerum together on zoom which is a uh a uh, keita amamiya film from the early 90s that had a sequel and a anime tie-in and may looks exactly like iria who's the heroine from (laughs) those movies and that series as soon as she came on screen i'm like that's iria (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she looks just like Iria. The costume, anyway. The in terms of her face and her hair and everything, it's different. But her costume is dead on Eria. I guarantee it. Like, look up Eria right now, Google it, and you'll she looks just like her. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and like I said, she's a very interesting character. And I'm curious to see what's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, because one of the things that they do remarkably well with her, which is one of the things I loved about the original Pacific Rim is that mm. the, one of the themes in this is connection. So we have our two protagonists, the brother and sister trying to find their parents yeah. and may cuts herself off from people. She's very cagey, which is why there's a point where she drifts with the, uh, where she drifts with a couple of characters, uh, particularly Taylor and, the neural connection in the Jaeger won't work because she won't open herself up. And he has to tell her, I don't care what you did. Just let me in so they can, can, you know, uh, so that the connection can be 100% and then they could go off and defend the colony from Copperhead basically. And Mm -hmm. so, but even she does it in the drift, but, but outside of the drift, she's, pushing people away because she's afraid to get close to anybody, which she slowly starts to get over as time goes on. But I think the more that she learns about her own past, the more I disgusted, I think she becomes with herself. So because she's ashamed of herself, she's pushing people away.
1: Mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that in this series, at least the, the drift becomes important again?
0: Yes. Good Lord.
1: Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep
0: the uprising rants to a minimum, but I hate <laughs> that in uprising because drift compatibility meant nothing in uprising. It was used so flippantly and it didn't matter. And it means something again in this. You can't just drift with anybody. And the idea that it, in order to make it work, you have to be 100% vulnerable and mm-hmm. let people in to potentially see the worst parts of yourself. If you are going to make the giant robot work.
1: Right. I want to, I'll, I will give, I promise Nathan, I will give you time sometime during this episode. I will let you loose and let you rant all you want about, uh, uprising and compare and contrast uprising with this movie. But, but, I want to, I, I want to say this in the, in this series, at least everything felt very earned. Oh, yeah. uh, the, the drift, uh, just them, um, um, we learned early on, I think it's in episode two or it's, I think it's in episode two. We learned that Atlas destroyer is not an actual like usable yeah or it's not an actually useful jaeger yeah. he's a training jaeger
0: yeah it had been downgraded to a training jaeger so it had no weapons that's one of the things i love about this we our characters are co- are the constant underdogs so it's like so there are all these things that are like we found a giant robot we found a jaeger oh the jaeger has no weapons
1: <laughs> So the- yeah and it's it, there's that really funny sequence there's that really funny sequence when um copperhead is charging towards them and they and they say fire all weapons and they fire the weapons and uh Loa says um Loa is
0: says, AI by the way that r- helps them run the Jaeger just for people Am so. I saying am I saying it right Loa it's Loa but I'm just letting Loa. people know Loa is the AI that helps them control the Jaeger
1: Okay yeah you're right thanks Nathan but yeah Loa tells them uh target destroyed and they're like yes and and then she chimes in and says, "That's what I would say if this were th- if this were armed with actual weapons." Yes,
0: I w- I love the deadpan sass
1: that she has. <laughs> does she count? Let me ask you: Does she count as a character? Does she count as a character since she does have a, a personality? I think she does. I really do think she does. Because it's it, it, one, of, one of the funny, and, and she's actually really funny. And for someone who appreciates um, uh, deadpan humor, like very dry, like British style humor, um, I can appreciate her because at the, I think it's an episode, is it episode seven? I think it's episode seven. Uh, yeah, it's where they defeat Copperhead. And Copperhead is charging towards the Jaeger. No one's piloting the Jaeger. And she says, Copperhead, Kaiju approaching. And then um, Copperhead tackles her. And right before Copperhead tackles the Jaeger, she says, of course, (laughs) because no one because no one's there to pilot the mech. And so essentially, of course, she's going to get tackled when no one's there to actually pilot the dang thing. And I just I really love Loa. I don't know if I, I would put her on. I would put her on par with. A Jarvis, because Jarvis always had a really good personality too.
0: Uh, well, it, well, uh, and he became Vision, but.
1: <laughs> well, true. That That is true. Or, that is true. Uh, and then or or, or My Girl Friday.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Gladys from the Portal games. Although Gladys is evil. So.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the cake is a lie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Nathan, what did you think about, since we're still on track with our characters here, what did you think about our main antagonist, Shane? What did you What dead. did you think about it? Shane? Bloody Shane! And every it's funny because they're all from Australia, apparently. You did. <laughs> <laughs> they're all from Australia, but. But the only
0: May our, our main characters are, all don't have Australian accents, but everybody else has the thickest Australian it a- accent. It's like Mad Max levels of Australian accents. At 20, which this does have a bit of a Mad Max feel to it with the. Set it does being in Australia. The characters are not quite as wild as a Mad Max movie, but the setting definitely feels very Mad Max.
1: It does cuz in you know if anyone's familiar with Mad Max it's set in the desert it's in it was filmed in Australia it was, yeah,
0: film... it's an Australian film it's post apocalyptic mm-hmm. And um, the original the original Mad Max is infamous for having because everyone's speaking English. But apparently when it was released outside of Australia, people couldn't quite understand what the actors were saying because their accents were so (laughs) thick. (laughs) And it was the movie that catapulted Mel Gibson to stardom.
1: So mm-hmm. yeah yeah I um I actually went on a little nostalgia trip uh last week when I was watching a bunch of old movies and and one of them was Beyond Thunderdome. And <laughs> um I really I had forgotten how much fun the Mad Max movies were but yeah. I digress. We're, we're not here to talk about Mad Max. Although this movie does have it or this movie no this series has a very Mad Max feel feel to it. So I personally liked Shane. He was a serviceable, he was a very serviceable bad guy. I was a little, I was very disappointed that he didn't quite get his comeuppance. Um, I wonder if he's coming back in season two though.
0: Possibly. I can Possibly. see him coming back because he's clearly got some connections to the sisters. He knows things. He knows people. I, mm-hmm. I, I love the weird juxtaposition when you when that black I don't remember his name, but the, when that black guy showed up because Shane's thing is he gets kaiju eggs and then he sells them. I guess I guess you could call it a black market and he's supposed to sell it to this black guy, and this black guy shows up in a white limo with what looked like monster truck
1: wheels <laughs> it's that now that is, now, very that, mad. is ve- that is very mad max
0: that is very mad max
1: and he tries to broker
0: a deal with him and the guy keeps trying to give him grief about it and because he he had two eggs when he's supposed to have three and then shane basically takes his money and says you tell the sisters that I don't – you tell the – I can't do an Australian accent to save my life right now.
1: You tell the sisters or something like
0: that. Yeah, something like that. And then he just shoots the, the eggs.
1: <laughs> oh, crocky. Crikey. Crikey, you done shot me eggs.
0: You shot me eggs. <laughs> Oh, I but I really hard to get that caught ca- you.
1: But I really hope I hope that, okay. I hope that Shane we get a little bit more we get a little bit more backstory with Shane and May in season 2 which we've already heard we already know in fact I think it's on the Netflix description on it says season 2 is coming so we don't know. It, it, it's most likely probably going to be next year, sometime next year. I've, heard, I've seen some estimations that said
0: it could be later this year,
1: but mm, possible. I mean, maybe if they were just kind of maybe biding their time to see how people received it, and then it's, they're gonna, then then they green light the us, season two. It's the pandemic. It, this show was supposed to premiere
0: last year, mm-hmm. but you know yeah. nothing happened last year, so. <laughs>
1: literally nothing happened last year. This is, this is true. Uh, last year. I don't even remember. I don't I don't even remember 2020. It was all sort of a blur. Uh, well, that's because you were drunk during Kaiju quarantine. <laughs> Look, Kaiju quarantine almost killed me, but I, I'm not going there. This, this is not the time nor the place. Nathan. Yeah. I, know. I uh, get it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, okay. So we've 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 talked a little bit about our human characters, at least at least the ones that we really really enjoyed. At least, and we've talked about the majority of the ones that kind of move the story forward. And so I want to shift a little bit and talk about not necessarily the kaiju, although the kaiju in this are really cool. Um, but I want to talk about the the sort of the surprise we got with the uh, with apex. Um, <laughs> a- A.K.A. Dark Specter is what he looks like. <laughs> is what it looks like to me. Um, of course, I would make that. Of course, I would make that comparison. I thought
0: he looked like an Ava, but
1: a little, a little. I thought it looked like. I honestly thought when I first saw it, uh, I thought that it looked either like a Dark Specter, sort of like from the Power Rangers franchise, uh, or Darth Maul. And I think it's because it's like I think it's. I think it's the spikes and the um, the red and black color scheme that yeah. he has going on. So essentially, Apex was from the Uprising War, and Apex was a drone Jaeger uh, that went rogue. And
0: because, as spoilers for Uprising, in case you care, now I will, but I will admit. As much as I don't like, it's Uprising. cool in concept. Yeah, well, as it's cool in as concept. Like Uprising. Basically, what this show does that I actually kind of appreciate is it is after the movies. It said after the movies. It acknowledges stuff from Uprising. It takes the good things. Is there? I will admit there was some good stuff in Uprising, and it mm-hmm. takes those handful of good uh, of good ideas, and then it throws everything else out. <laughs> it basically was like oh here's
1: the the cool things from uprising and we're going to ignore the rest. <laughs> I mean I look I, it's been a hot minute since I've watched since I watched uprising. In fact, I should have watched uprising before I watched rewatched this series. I own uprising. Uh so I should have watched it, but you're right. They do take some of the good <clears throat> they do take some of the good aspects of uprising and the most interesting aspects of uprising and put it into the Black.
0: Yeah, and what Apex is, is that in Uprising, and this is one of the really interesting ideas they did, is there were new Jaeger drones that didn't need pilots, and they were hybrids with Kaiju. So think like, kind of like Kiryu, in a way. A little bit, yeah. What ended up happening is Precursors took control of them, and use them to basically mount another invasion. Apex is one that went rogue after that the precursor programming kicked in, and
1: it It has no allegiance to it, either side.
0: Yeah, to either side. And so he runs around you know, Australia just doing his own thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. you think at first he's going to be something of an antagonist yeah. uh, for our- characters and let me just say if he was if not for boy Haley and taylor would have been dead he would have just oh, absolutely them yeah. seven ways from sunday
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely i wish i would have remembered apex when we did our best and worst max episode last week mm-hmm. uh, because i definitely would have put apex on the list because he counts <clears throat> because he is referred to in the show as a biomech yeah, I think it's what it's called. is bio- I think it's what uh, Haley or Taylor, I think it's Haley yeah. that calls, that ends up calling him a biomech. Yeah, um,
0: He's basically a giant cyborg.
1: Basically. Because, because he does he got-
0: things like he eats other kaiju. So clearly yes. he needs to take in sustenance or mm-hmm. probably for his biological components. But he's shaped like a Jaeger. He's as tall as a Jaeger. He walks upright like a Jaeger. Uh, doesn't seem to have weapons like a Jaeger. At least he just used them all, but... Yeah, he, but he, he's I mean, really interesting, and he ends up becoming I don't know if anti hero is the right way to put it, but he and because it, it just ends up deepening the mystery with boy. Because boy can communicate with him to a certain extent, he can drift with people, which is really strange. Mm-hmm. And he drifts with boy, he drifts with Haley, probably because I think to a certain extent, Haley becomes a bit
1: of a mother figure for boy. Or I think that I think he I think he attempted the, to at the very I, least I think he attempted to drift with Haley, mainly to check out just to make sure that they were not going to harm Boy. Yeah,
0: because because it seems like one of his goals is he wants to protect Boy, which like mm-hmm. I said, just deepens the mystery. So we have this rogue biomech that wants to keep Boy safe, mm-hmm. and what and it seems like he figures out oh. These two kids want to keep him safe. I'm not going to kill them. And not only will I not kill them because uh, they, in an earlier episode, they have a fight with Copperhead and Copperhead literally eats one of Atlas destroyers are,
1: which I thought that was, re- I I'd forgotten about that. And I thought it was really interesting that it actually ate part of the Jaeger. Yeah. Which
0: Copperhead gets his comeuppance later. slater. <laughs> For that, but he goes off and finds uh, a, a an arm from another destroyed Jaeger because they find basically a graveyard of Jaegers, which that is that's another mystery because Loa is scanning all the different Jaegers and finds one that she couldn't even finish saying the name and then she shorted out for a few seconds.
1: Yeah, and, she so went. She reverted. She reverted to an old memory that didn't belong that that belonged to the pilots of that Jaeger.
0: Yeah. So she, there's some mystery there. So he goes off and he finds a new arm for them. So he helps them out Mm -hmm. as opposed to killing them. And then he just walks away and leaves them alone. It's like, here, you need an arm. You're clearly wanting to keep boys safe. You go do that. So... There's some interest. There's just
1: so many interesting things going on with everything in this show. No, you're right, and it's and I didn't know exactly what was going to happen either when when Apex showed up because I'm like you. I thought when we when when we got sort of that sh- that shrouded view of Apex in the city limits, I thought it was going to be the main antagonist, the big bad for this series, like cop. They were going to defeat Copperhead. Somehow, some way, but then they would have to turn their attention to dealing with this other thing, mm-hmm. um, which, surprise, come to find out, Apex, I, I guess probably anti-hero is not the correct way to say it, but sort of an ally, mm-hmm. uh, becomes an ally of, of our uh, protagonists, mainly because of Boy, because he has this deep connection with Boy, and it's ne- I don't know if it's a new connection with Boy, or if it's uh, an old connection with Boy. I'm assuming it's a new connection with Boy because Boy possesses Kaiju DNA, so he would consider Boy uh, an, an ally, I guess, or not a threat. Or a uh, uh, kin? Perhaps? Kin, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Possibly, it, could po- it could possibly be that, lending credence to the idea that the, uh, the Forerunners actually we were understand. the one that created the precursor sorry the precursors that actually were the ones that actually created boy so we don't know there's a lot of mystery going on with with apex and boy and uh, that whole that whole situation so i i really liked apex i like the design i like the impl- the implementation of the character within the show he's only in he's not he doesn't get a ton of screen time uh but the screen time that they use for him or it i should say uh, is very effective
0: yes uh, yeah he has a presence when he's on the show
1: right exactly so you know Nathan we've talked a lot about the stuff that we really 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 like about this show so let's let's dig in and try to add some uh negativity <laughs> mayonnaise to take a uh, mayonnaise. let's okay no, no 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 let's not say mayonnaise because I actually like mayonnaise um <laughs> Let's add some negativity onions or some negativity pickles on top of this. positive. All, all the onion and pickle lovers. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's, let's talk about some of our negatives. So Nathan, what were some of your negatives for Pacific Rim? Of Black? I'm not a big fan of
0: the music in this one, the score it's serviceable, but mm-hmm. when you compare this to what honestly has to be one of the best film scores of the last 10 15 years with the original pacific rim it's a far cry from it it definitely feels it it has the same feel but it's not nearly as memorable Mm -hmm. so i
1: can i can agree with that the random the random insertion of that um pop rock song when they were in the restaurant from the like the jukebox song that was was a a little weird weird i like that from as a story beat, I've heard some people
0: complain about it, but I like that as a story beat, but yeah, the, the song is a little bit weird. Cause I'm like, is this a, li- is this licensed music or did they make this
1: for the show? <laughs> yeah. And one of the number one, and one of the complaints I had when I watched the, um, I watched the Godzilla trilogy among many, many things, many, many thoughts that I have about that trilogy that I won't go into here out of respect to my co-host, um, <laughs> because you love that trilogy. <laughs> um, one of the things that I did not like with it that I found not as jarring with this, but it was still there. It was sort of the, the clunky animation.
0: Yeah. And the, that scene that you mentioned, I think is where you see that
1: and right, that's why I brought it up because
0: what happens is May leaves and they she goes off into another city. The uh the kids get a distress signal from another Jaeger and they figure out it's their parents' Jaeger. So they go to the city and May is there. So they meet May in this rundown restaurant. And there's a jukebox there, and hmm. boy goes over and you know pulls a Fonzie and. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> it hits it, and it starts hey and it starts yeah, hey! and it starts playing music again and he's never heard music before and mm. so he's really getting into it and then Haley says hey let's have a dance party so they start dancing she gets her brother to do it and they drag may out there because may's being a stick in the mud because you know may is you know the self-loathing character in this and so they drag her out there and they all have this little dance party and the dance animation's a little bit awkward <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a, li- a,
1: a little awkward or just a whole bunch of awkward.
0: I'm trying to be polite, but
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, I just, I don't understand. It's like, why do you, are you able to animate these action sequences amazingly? But when you have to make characters do dance moves, it's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can obviously tell that they invested a lot of energy in animating the kaiju. Um And, it's not terrible, but the, the our human characters seem really stiff, and I think it's just that um, I just think it's that that three D animation, the three D animation similar to what we got with the with the Godzilla trilogy, that I dislike it. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on why I dislike it. It just seems really stiff, yeah. and and then you when you get series like. Um, the uh, the, anim- the the Ultraman anime, where that doesn't seem to be as big a deal.
0: Hey, the um,
1: Ultraman anime
0: had its own set of animation problems. They clearly put a lot of effort into making the fight scenes in that look amazing, but when the characters are doing other things, mm-hmm. they look a bit weird.
1: You think it's just the the medium of that three D animation style or is it or I, is it something else? I, I don't know. I think it's just
0: there are those studios priorities because there are plenty of animation studios that can basically make everything look great, but you know, not everybody can be Pixar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Pixar just true. is
0: just great at everything. So <laughs> uh,
1: which, which is true, which is true. Uh, so what are what are some other dislikes for 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 this show?
0: Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Haley and May pick up on how to drift and pilot Jaegers surprisingly quick and efficiently. And yeah, there's this. And the first time I watched the show, I watched it with Jessica, my pseudo sister, and she loves Haley. And there's this bit where Haley basically just skips over like this uh, automated program gets started with Loa. It's like, oh, here's six months worth of training. And she just skips all of it. Just because she wants to get the robot working, because she's impulsive. And, and and you know, and so she ends up paying a price for it because of what ends up happening after that. So yeah, you know, so it's not a case of she's just graded everything. No, she she you know, she she pays dearly for it because yeah, no, she does. Yeah, she does, and, which and, which is and the and reason why I could forget know, her brother is supposed to have had at least a little bit of Jaeger piloting training, they are clearly outmatched at basically every turn of the series. So, but my point is, is that they both of them are able to do it surprisingly well, and I think there's a little bit of plot convenience there for that. But I, I let it slide because, like I said, it works thematically, and there are consequences to what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could see it from a mile away. You could see it from I could I could already tell what was going to happen when I first watched this series. When you have Shane. Uh, going through all of his soldiers, trying to drift with Taylor, and all of them fail. Obviously, uh, actually, they were waiting. That wasn't Taylor. Oh, I'm sorry, with not Taylor, not yeah. Taylor. Um, yep, see, yeah, you now you've checked off Jimmy. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Yes, it was not Taylor. It yeah, was the it was, other.
0: Uh, it was Joel who was Joel's favorite yes. character in this. show. That's right, because Taylor. Had to see what happened to Joel. <laughs> when,
1: yeah, Joel. Joel was or not Joel, but Taylor was still uh, in captivity or being held. Yeah, from he was being he was being withheld access to the Jaeger at that time. So thank you, Jimmy. You are. This is one of the rare times that I will say, you are correct.
0: <laughs> it was, it uh, played his ego too
1: much. Oh, I, I try not to because yeah. mm-hmm. I've I've seen what it's I've seen what he's like when his when his britches get a little bit too big.
0: <laughs> well, I mean he seems to think he's so cool because he survived the war in space when everyone thought he was dead for a hot minute. And anyways. Yeah. Anyway, Joel is this, this other character who's a mechanic on Jaegers for Shane. He drifted with about a hundred different people and it turned his brain to mush. <laughs> <laughs> so there are consequences with this sort of stuff, which I really did appreciate in that again expanding on the lore of the series and the universe.
1: Yeah, and that was when I was talking about or when I was talking about earlier that everything in this movie felt earned. Except for I was a little bit I was a little bit confused in that in that part where Haley's kind of skipping her training and all that. And then all of a sudden she knows how to pilot, which we have already said they end up paying for that dearly because they're essentially learning as they go throughout this series. Uh, But that was the only part where I could honestly say it didn't quite feel, quote unquote, earned. But like we've already covered, they did make up. They did uh, have to pay for it later on.
0: Yeah. And I'm fine with characters being impulsive like that to try to get, you know, get to the good parts or whatever if they pay a price for it later.
1: Yeah, that same way, same. I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. I can forgive it because of of what transpires um afterwards.
0: Yeah. May is a little weirder, I will admit, where cuz she even says, "Yeah, I've never done this before." And I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. you just seem to think you'll be you'll be able to do this." So So, he's around a little bit uh, plays around with the whole drift compatibility thing a little bit, but like I said, it feeds in thematically because she hmm. didn't want to open up to make the connection work. And both of them usually only do it for short periods of time. So
1: that's true. That's true. So while we're on the subject of our dislikes, I and before we move into our in, into a few more of our positives and our Godzuki score and our closing statements, I'm gonna give you about three minutes to tell uh, tell the audience why you hate uprising and compare and contrast this series with uprising. So ready set go you have three minutes
0: okay where do i even start i'm trying to figure out if i want to go with stuff that's relevant to this show or just go into basically everything that's wrong with uprising, because <laughs> <laughs> that would take me longer than three minutes I, like i've already talked about the drift compatibility thing they're really flip it in uprising when it comes to drift compatibility but here it actually means something again As for other things that are wrong with it, which this is relevant to the show, the Jaegers move like action figures, as I said in my feedback to you guys last week. They have no weight, no impact. They're just toys. And I don't like the fact that there's nothing, whereas they had weight and impact in that first movie. You felt every step those Jaegers took. You felt every punch that they threw onto a kaiju you yeah, had none of that in Uprising. Here, they go back to doing that. And you feel everything. You feel the ro- the weight of the robots as they're moving and falling over and things like that. Now, there are a few points where they do some kind of wacky stunts with the Jaegers in this. But, again, like I said, still has weight and impact to them. And then there's some character things from Uprising that are not relevant to this that I could go into. Like, Don't get me started on them killing Mako. Hmm. That was when I checked out of that movie. I'm like, nope. I have officially turned against you. Nope. You killed one of the best characters in the first movie. No, no, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) And you teased me, movie. You teased me. Because she's in a helicopter, and you have the the evil Jaeger smack her helicopter like, oh, crap, they're they going to kill her. Oh, wait, no, the helicopter doesn't crash. Okay. <sighs> okay. We're okay. We're okay. Oh, wait. And then you smack it again later, and she falls down in slow-mo and dies, and i like, I hate you, movie. I hate you so much. So much right now. Is that it? Is that it? You still got a minute. And you've That's still got I'll end the- it because everything else is not relevant to the black.
1: Okay. That actually did not take the whole three minutes. Like I was expecting to, like I was expecting it to good for you. Man.
0: Okay. Had- In which case, David, Chris, if you're
1: listening to this, have me on your show. Have- <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I know you and I have had many, many, many discussions about, uh, why you hate Pacific Rim, the black and why, or no, why you, why you hate uh, Pacific Rim uprising. I am so sorry. And, uh, and why I think it's an okay movie. <laughs> uh, I'm sure
0: uh, that uh, the uh, that other guy that we were talking about earlier, who's on the drift space, he's probably going to send in an angry letter and tell you guys why I'm wrong. So <laughs> we talking
1: about, are we talking about G? Yeah. We're talking about G now. Yeah. 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 Um, so Nathan, before uh, before we get into our Godzuki score, what are do you have any last positivity things to do? You have anything last positive things to say about Pacific Rim: of The Black? Weirdly enough, I'm
0: looking over my notes and I think I got basically everything. I like the callbacks that they had, not mm-hmm. only to the uprising but to the original movie. You know, they mentioned mm-hmm. that. Because another concept that they introduce in this that is really interesting is ghost drifting, which Mm -hmm. is basically flying a yogurt, a a yogurt, (laughs) flying a yogurt, a piloting a Jaeger, (laughs) flying a yogurt.
1: Uh, okay, so my oh, ending thought, My a end- trombone for that. I'm sorry. That, <laughs> flying a yogurt.
0: Uh, playing it solo, and the way you do it is you bring up the memories from a past pilot and Taylor asks Loa, how many pilots have been able to pilot a Jaeger solo? And she said, well, eighty seven and then Joel says, how many of them survived?" <laughs> and and she says three i was like okay bring those up and it's Herc hansen who we find out was the piloting the jaeger we saw at the beginning when we had the flashback and i'm wondering if he's still alive i kind of think he might show up in season two which would be really exciting possibly i think so and then they also mentioned stacker Pentecost, one of the one of the coolest names ever and raleigh beckett our hero from the first movie yeah. So she he picks the uh, memory codes for Hercanson to do dr- ghost drifting. When then there ends up being consequences for that because it kind of screws with his head a little bit because he starts thinking that her, some of Hercanson's memories are his.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's some really cool stuff like that, and I like the subtle callbacks. But the show is able to be its own thing and not be not have to constantly reference back to all of that stuff. Although I will admit, and I'll couch a little negative here. I do feel like there, there's a little bit of assumed knowledge from the creators of this series or Pacific Rim lore in general. They're assuming you've at least seen the movies because they throw a bunch of stuff at you. They don't, they don't bring the precursors up until within the last two minutes of the last episode. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so if you haven't seen the movies and you go into this cold, are like, okay, there are monsters showing up, but why are there interdimensional breaches? What did those mean? And you know, and then they bring out the precursors, but they never say what the precursors were before that. Mm-hmm. So I will I, I kind of count that against it a little bit, although I don't know how many people would go into this anime series without seeing the movies.
1: So it might I mean, be no yeah. point. I'm 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 assuming if you're going into this series, you probably have at least seen the first film. Yeah, you might you might not have seen the second one, but you you definitely pro- if you're a fan of this genre, you've definitely seen the original Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm.
0: And I uh, the- I do like the satisfying final battle that our heroes have with Copperhead. <laughs> That was very cathartic. (laughs) Like, Mm because they they get a not only they get a new arm, they actually finally get a weapon. It's basically I forget what they called it, but it's basically this spearhead on a cable that they can shoot out. And so it's like it's like being Scorpion from Mortal Kombat.
1: (laughs) Get over here! Get over here!
0: So, uh, and there's actually a point where they do that. They fire it at Apex, and it hits him in his chest, and then it springs out hooks and then they yank out a big chunk of his
1: chest it's like kind i of- mean even the, they, they spray it at um, uh, le, uh, copperhead
0: yeah and you know so they yank out a bit of his chest and then they do another thing where they tangle his arm up and then taylor has his little action movie moment where he says let's see how you like it and then he does something with the arm and it cuts off his uh, cuts off copperhead's arm it's great mm.
1: <laughs> no i i think some of my like some of my ending positives just are the fight the fight choreography in this in the show is great obviously this is a show that pulls in people who are interested in kaiju giant monsters and, and mechs so i think the mech designs look fa- i think the mech designs look great um they continue to have awesome names they do. They continue uh, to have.
0: Grimm's always it, had they, awesome names. In fact, I even kind of think I may have found a little bit of symbolism with the ones that with the one that our heroes pilot. It's Atlas Destroyer, and what was Atlas? Atlas was a titan in Greek mythology who was carrying the world on his
1: shoulders. And I you know, these kids feel like they're carrying the world, the weight of the world on their shoulders, I which think actually
0: Taylor, is- at the very least, does because he's the older brother and he's trying to keep everybody safe. And Haley is bearing her own burden of guilt for what happened to mm. her colony,
1: right yeah, okay. yeah, Haley's definitely got like some survivor's guilt going on, and um Taylor is definitely the uh, uh I don't know what's what is it the protector the 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 very the the male action hero of mm-hmm. this of this show yeah well, like <laughs> like I said, he's the big brother. Mm-hmm. basically yeah he's the big brother he's the protector mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's a really good dynamic in fact I love the dynamic between the brother and sister in this in this uh, show I loved May uh, like we've talked a lot like we talked a lot about beginning like before a few minutes ago and I thought although although Copperhead is not the most inspired Kaiju design that the franchise has seen it is still effective Mm-hmm. i think as a as a main antagonist and copperhead's not even a, a what is copperhead a category he's a category
0: four, four. he's a big
1: boy. is he category okay so he's a category four so he's a he's a big old boy yeah and uh the, the i would eager
0: that they have as a cat was uh was a mark three
1: yeah so um the like was like i said before the fight choreography is great uh the the action with the with the kaiju and the mechs are is satisfying um, and just the, o- just overall, I think uh, the, the, the story, the story arcs and the subs and sort of the subplots within this show are super interesting. And, and although we are teased a lot, I feel like in this, in this show, Um, I think there's enough here to hold us over until season two, uh, and to make us very, very interested in season two. So, uh, before we get into our Godzuki score, I know Travis would kill me if I didn't, uh, give us, give the, uh, give the listener some fun facts. So here we go. Um, Gideon Alden's mother, Pamela Alden, uh, voiced Rusty in the short-lived animated series, Big Guy and Rusty, where one of the, uh, titular titular there we go thanks uh titular characters was a giant robot piloted by a human being uh column worthy is the second former disney channel actor to have gone to the in gone to be involved in the pacific rim franchise after karen brayer uh brayer briar brar? brayer brar? yeah Br- karen brar i think it's how we're gonna say that uh who was in its last theatrical installment uprising the showrunners are greg johnson who produced many animated series and movies for the marvel for marvel comics and the, and marvel comics writer craig kyle uh who created x x23 yeah i'm not familiar with that one oh uh if x23 is a female clone of wolverine let's just say oh. i feel wolvie's pain interesting okay um, apparently there's a blooper in the end credits uh for C for episode seven, boy is credited as kaiju boy. Well, you yeah, uh,
0: it's misspelled. <laughs> well, not misspelled. It, the, the O was capitalized in boy and the other letters aren't.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't I didn't notice it, but I did. Uh, but... of, of course Travis would point that out. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Anyway, thanks thanks uh thanks Travis for putting in those fun facts for us. Uh so
0: uh, Hold on, Michael. I'm just going to interrupt you really quick. Uh, Just so you know, I found those. (laughs) You found what? All the fun facts. I found them.
1: Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I gave, I gave Travis credit for these fun facts. Uh, And I'm sorry, our co-host here, Nathan, found the fun (laughs) facts. The new (laughs) co-host. The the new co-host. Who's taking, who's.
0: over right here.
1: Uh, right think of me uh, think of me
0: as like the count dragon to your lord zed michael or, <laughs> I'm not sure. so we so we were
1: uh we were both rivals in high school and rivals trying to conquer the universe gotcha, gotcha. yes okay sounds fair
0: and apparently uh, scared of me because i'm more evil than you
1: Mm, that's 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 debatable. Oh, I can get pretty- really, really come at me, Lord Gatekeeper. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to goat me this time, uh, Nathan. Um, although I want to really badly.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, here's your cold. For- <laughs> Come at me, Lord Gatekeeper. <laughs>
1: so, for Pacific Rim: The Black, Nathan. What is your Godzuki score? My
0: Godzuki score is four out of five.
1: Okay, and why?
0: Uh, Like I said, it's infinitely better than Uprising. It's closer to the original movie, but it goes in a much different direction And it expands on the lore and everything, but I'm reserving final judgment till the story is completed in season two. So that may affect my final rating for it. It could go up or go down depending on how well the show finishes and how well it pays off all of these dangling threads and mysteries.
1: That's fair. That's
0: fair. I I love these characters and I'm invested in these characters and I can't wait to see more of their story.
1: Okay. And uh, for if you're new to the podcast, I should have probably said this before we started our ratings system, Nathan, but if you're new to the podcast, we like to rank our movies and television shows out of five Godzookies because we like to embrace the sillier side or the more lighthearted side of this genre. So that's why we rate them against Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon. So... Pacific Rim, The Black, uh, and my God, score. I'm going to also give it a 4.5. I think this is a very accessible anime uh, series for, and you don't necessarily have to. Uh, Uh, be uh, a fan of the franchise to enjoy it. I'm going to venture off and say that. It's still very, like I said, it's very, it's very accessible to general audiences. If you're already in, if you're already interested in the giant robot, giant kaiju or giant monster genre, you're really going to enjoy it. There's a lot to love with the characters, the story. uh, And like you, Nathan, I'm just kind of waiting for season two uh, for some of those character arcs to eventually uh, pay off. Mm -hmm. So That's why I'm giving it a four out of five Godzookies. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I'm sorry. Hang on, let me back up. But not not only did we have to give our thoughts and opinions uh, on this show, but Travis also wrote in. So I'm going to go ahead and read his uh, final thoughts on this show, if you don't mind. So Travis says, when Pacific Rim came out, I really enjoyed the movie but I never thought much about the world it was set in after reading the comics and watching this series. I'm hugely fascinated by the complex universe they've built and what, and want to see more stories told from all around the Pacific rim, Pacific rim, Pacific, Pacific, Pacific rim There we go. Um, if you go into this series, expecting nonstop kaiju action, you will be disappointed The series is ultimately a human story about survival and family with just a tiny smidge of kaiju fights, which I think is a fair critique because uh, it is, there is a substantial amount of kaiju fights in this, or there is a substantial amount of kaiju action that does uh, satisfy that itch. Um, But if you're, but like Travis said, if you're looking at, if you're coming into this thinking it's going to be like the movies and it's going to be nonstop one-on-one fights between a mech and a kaiju that's not what you're going to get here you're actually going to get a uh, sort of a more complex story um from pacific Rim: the black so mm-hmm. all right with that said nathan do you know what time it is is it mail time it's the mail bag what's in the mail today And we have a letter from a apparently new listener of the podcast, and uh, it the letter comes from Taylor, um, and Taylor writes, hello, my name is Taylor, and I'm a fairly new listener. I've been following you guys for a few months now. It's nice to have a positive and not so serious podcast in the feed every week, so keep up the good work. I give you guys a five out of five Godzookies. <laughs> Thank Thank you, Taylor. Um, I'm writing because uh, I'm writing because of when I heard Travis mention on GVK on the GVK episode that he has deaf friends and is fluent in sign language. I got really excited to hear that. I am. I'm too a fluent. I am too fluent in ASL and have many deaf friends and actually attend a sign language church church group. It's so cool to hear some. It's so cool to hear of someone else who loves monster movies, but also uh, connected in this other way. I'm glad to hear it. I wish everyone learned ASL in school, like Spanish or French. The world would be a much nicer place. I actually do agree there, Taylor. I too appreciated the representation in GVK with Gia. I'm double glad they got a young deaf actress to play her. I think Kaylee Hoddle did a fantastic job, and I hope if the MonsterVerse continues, we'll see her and Kong together again. GVK is a very special movie to me, and not not only for the inclusion of deaf and ASL, but also because... We were able to rent a theater and watch it with my wife's seven-year-old cousin, his first Godzilla movie in theaters, and one more step uh, in my active quest to turn him into a mini-me as he as he strokes his uh, fire his as he stokes I'm sorry uh, his fiery love for dinosaurs and giant monsters. Anyway, just wanted to say hi. If you're interested in anything I'm doing, I'm working on a kaiju cryptid themed comic that will have a deaf high schooler as one of the main characters. I post about it and my progress and design. I post about it and my progress and designs and custom and custom figures on Instagram. and His and uh, Taylor's handle is the Champions the underscore Champions underscore Guardian. Uh, and you can see other art of mine at uh, Griffin Bird Press. Thanks for reading my email and I look forward to hearing more from you guys every week, Taylor. Well, Taylor, thank you so very much for writing into the show. Um, I know that that... I know that the the inclusion of a deaf actress and ACL in GBK was also a very, very special thing to Travis because uh, he has a deep appreciation for, uh, for that community. So again, thank you so much for writing into the show. We appreciate you being a new listener and we appreciate any uh, feedback that you want to give us on the show as well.
0: And also just... Hope you enjoyed the fact that this entire episode has sounded like we've been talking about you all along since one of our heroes is named Taylor.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. So that is, uh, he said, he said double good. I'm going to call that a triple good. Yeah, there you go. So, Nathan. Before we get into the trivia question for next week, do you have anything else you want to plug for your extra endeavors on the Monster Island Film Vault podcast? Well, of course.
0: Yes. So besides podcasting, I am also a writer. You can check out my writings on my author website, NathanJSMarchand.com. Yes, I had to use both of my middle initials because NathanMarchand.com was already taken. I'm going to find that guy and I'm going to feed him to Apex. (sighs) This is family friendly. Remember. What? Monsters eating people? Is that family friendly? When was that? (laughs) Have you watched all Disney movies? (laughs) This is true. Anyway, so you can check me out there. You can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, uh, outside of the podcast, my handle is at Nathan Marchand seven and my professional Facebook page is the worlds of Nathan Marchand. I recently just published a new book. It's a sword and sorcery story called Zorzum and the God who devours, which is about a barbarian cooler than Conan. Yes, I said that. And I wrote it with my friends, Nick Hayden and Aaron Brosman. And it'll be a really fun read for you, especially if you're into old school pulp science fiction and i would be remiss not science fiction fantasy excuse me and i would be remiss michael if i didn't mention that i was also published in a little magazine that you and travis are doing called kaiju ramen Ooh, uh, yes never heard of it yeah uh, oh i'm sorry you should you know it, it, <laughs> it, it it's the biggest g fan i'm just saying Oh, wow. Okay. That's high praise. mm -hmm. And I had a little article in issue two, which just got published. That's called bearing its fangs, Mechagodzilla and our fear of the machine. So if you want to get a little bit of insight into why Mechagodzilla is, is as effective a villain and antagonist for Godzilla. Give that a read.
1: Absolutely. And uh Nathan, thank you so much uh for being on the show. Uh and as a side note, I'm still waiting on my free copy of the latest novella. So, am I going to have to wait for my birthday or Christmas to get it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks Nathan for filling in for Travis. Uh he need, like we said, he needed the week off, and so you and Jimmy were so uh, gracious to come over and and help us out this week and well you know i know you and i have our differences but i i I appreciate you too
0: we all appreciate you i am just saying
1: and unironic i unironically appreciate you too Mm -hmm. jimmy yeah um So that does it for our discussion of Pacific Rim the Black this week, and for what we're going to be covering next week, we are going to be reading off the trivia question. And again, for anyone who's new to the show, we like to ask trivia questions that lead into the topic that we're going to be covering uh, next episode, and we're going to be posting those on uh, Facebook and Twitter so that... um, you guys can give us your fun, funny, and serious answers uh, that we can read out live each and every episode. And the trivia question for next week is: What movie gave Orson Welles a Scotman, a Scatman? Crothers. And, oh, sorry. Let me read that again. <clears throat> what movie gave Orson Welles and Scatman Crothers their final film roles before they died? So again, I'm going to say we will post those trivia questions to our Twitter feed and on the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. uh, And you can answer, give us any answer you want, whether it be funny, serious, or just weird. Uh, Here, I'm looking at you, Elijah. um, (laughs) And we will read that live on the next episode. And and before- A little hint for you. For those of you who know me really well, this
0: movie- features one of my favorite songs in fact for a while i kind of thought of it as my own personal theme song just saying
1: huh i didn't know that all right and next week we are going to be having another special guest on with us uh to talk about that film so please stick so please check us out next week um as we uh review as we Have that discussion. I don't know where else to go from there. (laughs) Do I know the
0: special guest?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) And before, before we go, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are Kaiju Weekly and Kaiju Groupie Pod. All the links to our social media as well as the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. If you can you can send questions, comments, and answers to the trivia question to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. A big thank you to everyone who has supported kaiju ramen magazine so far. Issue two is out uh, in digital form. Issue uh, two in physical form will be released very, very soon. We did get our um, we did get our proof from the printer. Uh, a few days ago, and they are in transit. So please watch out for that announcement. If you want to find uh, if you want to find out more about if you want to find out more about Kaiju Ramen Magazine, you can go over to our website at kaijuromanmagazine.com. If you want to help support this podcast, you can uh, and get some nice bonus content. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com/kaijuweeklypod. And, of course, as always, there is one more thing that people can do to support this podcast. If nothing else, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And if you do so, we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode. So, Nathan, thank you again so much for showing up on this episode. It was a great discussion for a great television series um and I'm absolutely looking forward to having you back. Uh and even Jimmy, I'm looking forward to having you both back uh very, very soon.
0: Yes, and I can't wait to come back because hashtag winning.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh the only thing left to say is to help control the giant monster population, have your copperheads spayed or neutered? Um Okay. Uh, yeah. Get over here. <laughs> you're going to need a, I guess, I think you're going to need a big pair of scissors for that. Mm, mm, mm,
0: yeah. 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 Jaeger scissors. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Bye guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.
0: Their end theme is your favorite out of all the
1: kaiju podcasts. Oh, Godzilla. Dang it, Jimmy. <laughs> well, okay. So let, let, to be fair, it is by far the most upbeat out of the kaiju podcast outros out there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way better than what is the other, what does that one try to live again or try to stay Something, yeah, I don't something.
0: know. Yeah, it's something you're just doing that, Jimmy, because Jet Jaguar's your sidekick, but you're my sidekick, so it's like a hierarchy of sidekicks here. I'm just saying,
1: I will say it is 10 times more creative than just roll credits, it's Q credits. See you, <laughs> <jerk.
0: laughs> God, dang it, Michael.